episode 198 of the bitcoin podcast i'm your first host marcello and i'm host number two dimitri lamar host number three Corey. and today we have broke in the slack with us today to say what's up talk with us what's up good to be here guys thank you for having me of course Long time listener first time caller yeah i guess i because I, I, I talk to broke a lot uh in between the Slack and various other things. And I feel like, I, I, I guess I assumed he was already on the show at some point, but I guess this is your first time. Why don't you tell people kind of who you are and what you do and, and uh, why you're here? So I do a little bit of uh, blockchain dabbling, and that just happens to be with um, a project with D that I'm working on on the side. Um, my background is as an electrical engineer. I... Uh, I went to school for robotics, essentially, and then found out later in life that I like programming more than hardware. And so that kind of drove me um, to do a lot of a lot more programming oriented projects as of late. And uh, I uh, enjoyed listening to the Bitcoin podcast and joined the Slack and met all the hosts and the pretty cool people. And now I'm working with them on stuff. Cool beans, man. So with your robotics background, would you say that we are prepared or we're not prepared for the impending war against the machines? We are <laughs> as prepared as we want to be. I'm not really sure how to answer that question. Well, just because all the training videos I've seen from the Terminator universe, mm-hmm. we're going to be more agile than them. So I'm thinking sweep kicks can be our go-to. Hmm. You sweep kick a that. massive ton of titanium. See how that works out for you. Yeah. Just Pretty hit it in the back of the gun. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. So what you're saying, Jesse, which, what I can sense from what we're not ready, and it's going to be it's going to be pretty one sided. Well, the robots they have a lot of advantages against us, right? They can repair themselves. We're like we're organic beings. We die eventually. Mm-hmm. So, uh-uh I mean, that's what you think that's false that's yeah. fake news <laughs> that's fake. fake news i don't die fake. uh Multiply. so what this, what yeah, this does illustrate though is you know if you listen to the show and you join the slack and you link up with us you can like work with us and be a part of us so we appreciate that yeah man. if you're if you're like a real person i mean if you're not just if you come in the slack and start chilling we're gonna we'll treat you accordingly but if you yeah. you know <laughs> Want to be a part of our community? Yeah, no, you do not. If you want to be a part of our community and you contribute, then we'll definitely bring you in very fast. Although I've gotten kind of shilly lately, haven't we all? <laughs> Anyways, um, speaking of shills, 
Yeah, let's pay these bills. Speaking of chills, let's pay these bills. All, All right, right, today the support for today's episode comes from uh, bookmaker.eu. They're a premier sports book servicing the U.S. for over 30 years, providing all your sports betting needs, both professional and recreational. So they're taking all that years of experience and pivoting the crypto, and they're teaming up with us to kind of introduce this to you. So we have our own URL, and you can deposit Bitcoin uh, easy and simply. And over 90% of bettors use Bitcoin to fund their bookmaker accounts and receive their winnings. They offer live in-progress betting on every major sporting event, which allows you to wager on the game uninterrupted from tip-off until the final whistle. Please visit bookmaker.eu slash Bitcoin podcast today to sign up and claim your exclusive 100% welcome bonus. That is equivalent to five, up to $300. And you can access your uh, your account anytime, anywhere on your desktop, tablet, or smartphone. No download necessary. Um, and then also, uh, we are also brought to you by... Wait, I, Jingle. I'm doing you have a Jingle for them? Yeah, I do. Um, so I was accidentally watching Fuller House, so I'm going to channel my inner Fuller uh-huh. House theme song singer. If you want to bet on sports and not lose your shorts, you go to bookmaker.eu. That's pretty good. That's good. That's, That's good. Pretty good, right? That's a damn good jingle right there. I ain't mad at it. Don't Shout lose your shorts. House. All right. Uh, very last ad. Um, if you're interested in raising capital through a regulated ICO, Start Engine is your one-stop solution the only ICO platform with a community of 140,000 investors. It was founded in 2014 uh, by Howard Marks, who's the co-founder of Blizzard. That's uh, StarCraft for all you gamers out there. Their mission Diablo. is Diablo. Diablo, too. World of Warcraft. Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, their mission is to help entrepreneurs achieve their dreams by raising the capital they need to succeed. The emergence of uh, cryptocurrency presents an opportunity for entrepreneurs to raise capital through ICOs. In 2017 alone, token offerings resulted in the generation of $4 billion worth of capital. The team at Start Engine leverages experience and expertise in crowd sale security regulations in order to easily launch SEC-compliant ICOs. So in short, they provide a complete token ecosystem. So if your company wants to launch a security token offering, just go to startupengine.com slash unchained for a free consultation and a uh, 20% discount on future ICO setups. So that's uh, startup.com slash us. That's Bitcoin podcast, all caps. And uh, it's not legal advice. So there you go. Hashtag not legal advice. Um, no, it is not. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say what's on the docket, Corey. I know, you had, I know you wanted to speak your mind on some stuff. Oh, I'm not really speaking my mind. I'm just bringing up a few things that, of note that happened in the past couple of days. I mean, one, like, you'll see the news. I haven't read the news on this one, but apparently uh, the, uh, what was it? What was that company called that bought stuff from Facebook? Cambridge Analytica. Yeah, them. They were planning on doing an ICO. They're, like, in the midst <laughs> of doing an ICO. Ooh. All, apparently all, they helped with the publicity for DragonCoin as well. Yeah. Mm. The blood thickens. I don't know anything about that story. I, 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 I almost don't even want to. I just don't want to know what they know about me. I almost want to just live in bliss. You know? So what's the meat and potatoes of the story? We all don't know, I don't think. According but, to Reuters Choices, this is from the TechCrunch.com as of yesterday. Uh, 
the embattled firm was looking to issue its own digital currency in an effort to raise upwards of $30 million. Understandable, perhaps, startups reportedly raised $5.6 billion through ICOs in 2011 alone, 2017 alone. So $5.6 billion raised through ICOs last year. Um, surely Cambridge Analytica was well positioned to get in on that action. Couldn't, wouldn't confirm whether it was still looking towards digital currency as a fundraising mechanism. So they were looking to like raise money, apparently, through doing an ICO. I mean, who isn't, right? It's like after last year, companies are like, I like money. And so they just want to, you know, want to find a way to get people to give them money. And an ICO seemed like a good avenue to do that as of the end of last year. But I'd say things have come down quite a bit. Um, at least the crazy hype that was last year has come down quite a bit, which is nice. But it's not like they're going to go away. I mean, we should. We just we just did an ad for an ICO company. So we're on pace to actually have more money come in through ICOs this year than last year. Sure, because there's, I mean, it's not because people are raising more money than they were. There's just more people doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. There was that German ICO that just stole 50 mil. And the yeah, States and left. then the guy like took a selfie and was like, peace, I'm out, thanks for the money, and went to the beach and took pictures of the beer he was drinking on the beach, right? Is that the one you're talking about? I mean, that's what you do when you steal $50 million. That's the that is like, logical step. That is you like, you know. The cops get you. What's up yeah. I feel like that's like that's what what's his name did on Office Space when he found the check. He just went straight to the beach. Excuse me. I'd like I I asked for an umbrella in my my drink. Yeah. <laughs> Steep, my, my steepler. Like, I mean, you don't rob you don't rob a bank and go to work the next day. Maybe you don't. What do you do? I like my work. <laughs> I like my work. <laughs> Yeah, you got to keep up appearances, son. Yeah, like Corey, your <laughs> your boss comes like, "Hey, Corey, crazy story. Cops are here. They're saying you robbed a bank yesterday." Like, Why would I come oh, to work if I yeah. robbed a bank? That sounds dumb. <laughs> Why would I be here? They have to be wrong. Uh, clearly, clearly <laughs> something's amiss here. I didn't rob a bank. Um. <laughs> well, you also wanted to talk about. So there's like, all right, how I want to know. How effective could a patent on blockchain tech possibly be when anyone and their mother can make a blockchain? We like, just, I could make a blockchain by this afternoon. It's not, it's like patents are usually on a process, a very specific process for a very specific reason. Like we applied for a patent recently mm-hmm. at Booz for the, for, the, for the group that I work in and it's blockchain related. Mm-hmm. And it's for a very specific process. And, and if anybody does that process, then you sue the shit out of them. Uh, the goal is to protect the IP of the products that we're building. So like our, our product works for, in a very specific way. We don't want people to do the same thing. And so in the process of protecting that, you get a patent. So that mm-hmm. if someone tries to copy your material, I mean, this is what like Hashgraph does. But it's, it, it, I guess it's, against the idea of open source development, which is what a lot of blockchain space thrives upon. I mean, blockchains actually enable open source development because it incentivizes people to contribute to, to projects, right? Because if, they, if it's an open source project, but the network has value, by contributing to that network, by, by making their code better, spending your time making their code better, you hopefully can bring more people to that network, thus raising the price of the coin that's the mm-hmm. you know the kind of service layer ideology of incentivizing people to do open source 
development. Otherwise, you're just looking for reputation within that community. Like you're, there's a trade-off between your, your time, what you're doing, and how much money you make. And hopefully, as you know, humans in general try to increase that ratio. The time I spend on things gets me more money. So it was the IP that you guys trying to protect, was it like 192.168.0.0.1? Or no. was it 192.168.0.0.0? Sorry. No. <laughs> Dude, I guess IP stands for intellectual, intellectual property. property. For those who it. don't know it, in case <laughs> there was somebody out there in the audio sphere that was like, IP? I, why is he talking about IPs? Why is he talking about... Uh. IP addresses. Yeah, but like, no shit. Like, who's, <laughs> I don't think this is really any big news. They're not gonna. They're not gonna like, you know, patent troll blockchain. So if you say the word, you have to pay them. I don't think that. That's not what's going on. They're like, they're literally trying to make solutions using blockchain that are very specific to what they're trying to do, and they're and they're putting forth patents to try and protect it. So like, other big firms like Booz Allen don't do the same thing. I mean, like, like this is. Before we talk about the Walmart thing, uh, let's talk about the Amazon thing. And that is Amazon has basically released some templates for their uh, computing infrastructures. Like you can rent servers and computers uh, through Amazon, AWS, Amazon Web Services. And they have templates that basically will set up the computer configuration you want for various things. And so they've released templates for creating private blockchains. Right, So you can deploy a bunch of computers and then link them together and then they run the software that is a private blockchain, either like either using Go Ethereum or Parity or something. So they just basically, you can click a button in a few parameters, click a button, and then you have a private blockchain running somewhere in the cloud. Okay. Now, cool, but... Azure Web Services has been doing this. Azure's Microsoft version of the same thing, basically, has been doing this for a long time. And they're private blockchains, I guess, which is good for development, I guess. I don't know. But they use proof of work. And you can't change that. In Azure, you can, you can configure like block time and gas price for Ethereum, things like that. Uh, but you can't change the, the consensus mechanism. And Having a private blockchain that's exposed to people, if you want real people to use it, that's using proof of work in the cloud, is asinine. It's not going to work. Like that's, that's the whole like the whole point of proof of work is that you have enough people working on it that you can't take it over with other computers. It's too expensive to do so. And the fact that they aren't enabling real private blockchain consensus algorithms like proof of authority means they don't know what they're doing. They're just trying to say me too. Or yeah, like, man, they're just dipping their toe. They're trying to get in the ball game. That's all. Isn't this what ARK is trying to do? ARK? ARK? Yeah. I'm not familiar with that project. I thought they were doing like something that um, along the lines of what Rootstock was doing. Oh, I thought it was similar to AWS. I don't know uh, what Arc's doing. Yeah, but, I, I can't speak to Arc, but if you can, what what do you mean? Well, I thought their whole the whole idea was uh, 
to implement those templates that Corey was talking about so it's easier to deploy blockchains as a whole. Because like Corey said, no one's going to use... The people who want decentralization are not going to be using an AWS marketplace. Well, if you go to arc.io, it says point-click blockchain. So I guess that's similar to what you're talking about. I mean, but that's... Go ahead. Go ahead. I just, I just feel like... All right. Say there's a mountain and there's a road and the road has been paved and built for you to per- perfectly traverse through this mountain and get to the other side. But instead, you're a dingleberry and you want to climb the mountain up and down, up and down, up and down to get to the other side of this mountain range. To me, that's what it feels like when people are launching their own blockchains and like launch- and going and doing their own blockchain. Like, Why not either go on the paved road or go to the point where it stops and start helping them pave it on a blockchain that's already been going for a really long time, like Bitcoin or Ether or Zcash, or I don't see the point in like, oh, I'm going to have a business. I'm going to start a brand new blockchain, be insecure as shit, but I'm doing it. Privacy. Simple as that. You can't put stuff on the public blockchain without people knowing it. Blockchains are useful. Private blockchains are useful. We put stuff on the public blockchain without people knowing it. That even even putting things on there that are obfuscated is still giving people information when you may not want to. Like private blockchains in a scenario of a group of people who want to interact with each other are useful. If you don't have, like if you don't need the open value of, a, of the token, like the supply chain stuff, a lot of the things that these enterprises are doing are useful. Like, like I want to say a lot of them. Some of the things that these enterprises are doing can be useful use cases outside of sending money to one another. And there's a privacy aspect to this exchange of information or like exchange of digital assets that they don't want to put onto a public blockchain or there's a scale issue. Like I run, so right now um, at Booz, I run a, a private blockchain. It's a test, it's basically a test blockchain, a test net for booze allen to to like develop different blockchain solutions against so they can just instead of having to worry about setting up the infrastructure for development environment i run one through the included tools of the go ethereum client which means it's a it's a command line tool called puppeth that basically allows me to deploy all the different services you need to run a blockchain network and it's it allows people to not have to worry about setting things up properly before actually starting to write smart contracts and build an application. That's what these people, that's what AWS and, and Azure are also trying to do, but they also want to be like production level stuff. So if you build an application that's supposed to be, you know, quote unquote distributed application that uses a blockchain, you can just deploy one. But it's stupid if they're doing it this way. Because proof of work isn't supposed to be used for private blockchains. Period. Mm. What do you think, Jesse? I think that nobody really knows because there's no guiding hand that's guiding everybody in the the industry as far as um, standards. So maybe they're just trying to develop the infrastructure for people to deploy their private uh, blockchains on AWS so that they can have private apps. Like basically it's almost like uh, 
Google Play and everybody develops their own app on Amazon AWS and Amazon comes up with like Amazon Play for dApps and yeah, but you have non-fungible tokens operating on those. That's not going to work because there's no underlying there's no underlying blockchain to all these things, right? That's not like they're Maybe building. Maybe that's what the assumption is. The assumption is that all these private blockchains will be connected somehow to Ethereum to you know Bitcoin's blockchain. Eventually, yes, I think that's going to be the case, um, and that may be what you're like. But you're, that may be true in terms of like they're just trying to build out, working on these things so that in the future, when a private blockchain can be hooked into the underlying public blockchains, right? They have the stuff ready to go to do that. I think that, yeah. I mean, I I definitely think that is going to happen because it's just going to be a repeat of history. Internet, internets. The companies were like, "Yeah, these internets are awesome, but the internet is more awesome. We need to figure out a way to get on there. We need to get in on that shit." And then they did, and now we have the internet the way we have it. Um. I just lost my train of thought. So somebody pick it up. <laughs> I think it's marketing. I think it's mostly marketing, right? They've been playing around with this stuff on their own compute services, right? For a long time. And then some guy was like, hey, I built out some templates for, uh, you know, doing this pretty quickly so you can build the development. I was like, well, let's, let's publicize this so that we can say Amazon is in the blockchain space. I mean, they bought domains a long time ago regarding different mm-hmm. blockchain-like names associated with amazon and then you can tell they're I mean, they're using their computers to play with like private blockchains and then after a while some dude had like a bunch of scripts that did it automatically and they're like why don't we just publish this so that make it available to other people and then they can say they're doing blockchain you know what i mean like when, when it comes out in the news that amazon is doing blockchain that's going to be a big news for Amazon. And one of the lead executives probably got wind of the, some guy doing all this stuff. And he's like, nailed it. We're publicizing this. Amazon's in the blockchain space now. Yep. Amazon plus blockchain equals future. Here, here's an Alexa for 50% off. Are there any, um, are there any actively developed solutions for bringing access to private chains from main network? Because I, I haven't looked into that. Plasma. Plasma for Ethereum? Yeah. I mean, plasma, that's, that's the, kind of the idea of what Plasma is supposed to be, is running a private chain um, similar to a private chain, but it's, it's ultimately rooted into the, the main Ethereum chain so that if there's a problem with the private chain, the people who have tokens on the private chain can do a mass exodus back to the root chain. So you can uh-huh. have the value stored on a private chain and still like if malfeasance is happening or something goes wrong you can still take that value outside of that chain and put it back into the the main chain so it's, it is like the intranet versus internet i remember what i was going to say now and as you said you, putting any information on a public chain you don't want to do that in all situations but i feel like if you feel that all the way back it's like not trusting the same math that blockchains are predicated on, which is encryption. So if your encryption practices are at a point where you can't trust obfuscated information, then your encryption sucks. No, wrong. That's that's certainly not true. For one thing, blockchains don't use encryption. They use... They organize encrypted shit, no? No, they don't. 
they do digital signatures. Which is an encrypted thing. They use cryptography, which is a very different thing than encryption. So they basically use digital signatures through public and private keys. So like I make it, I say a message that I'm going to send money to somebody or send a token to somebody or some asset to somebody. And then I sign that with my private key. That's a digital signature that, that says only I can say this message. I'm attesting that I said this message and then I publish it. And then validators also known as miners will grab that message and then check to make sure it follows all the rules of the blockchain protocol. And then they include it in the blocks. That's all you're doing. There is no encrypted information. Now, you can take a message and encrypt it with your private key so that no one can read it and then embed that into a signed, digitally signed message. That's a way you can include encrypted information into a blockchain, but it has nothing to do with the blockchain protocol. There is no encryption in any of these protocols. It's just publicly signed messages. Which company? I saw somebody say that. I don't know if it was Amazon or somebody else. Um, but somebody was saying they're coming out with a utility that will basically make transactions completely transparent for everybody. Hmm? Yeah. I heard completely transparent, completely transparent in the way that either if it was Coinbase working with Amazon on this or, or somebody who's actually watching transactions who can associate addresses mm. with names, with identity information, they'll be able to make, you know, all the people who trade through that platform completely transparent as far as their information. That's Amazon. They're trying to de-anonymize, de-anonymize the Bitcoin blockchain. Yeah. Uh, that was Amazon. That's a hell of a word, de-anonymize. And, but, you know, an interesting aspect of people using their, their services to run nodes. So, like, say, instance, you're, you're running, a, like, a Bitcoin um, full node on Amazon Web Services. They're reading that information. So they're gathering whatever data flows through your node. Or they can. They, it, why, it may be something you're not looking at. Why? Because you don't have a computer at home. And it's easy to deploy a computer in, in the cloud and then interact with it. But the whole premise is, like, if you're running a full node, the whole premise is you being able to own that information. Sure. Why would businesses don't do that. Guess what businesses don't do? Businesses don't want to have compute infrastructure and architecture and worry about that on, on premise. They want to just deploy <laughs> it in the cloud because they can and it's easy and it's affordable. Can yeah, confirm. They're stupid. Four of the businesses that I consulted, their IT guy was like a maintenance guy. Their IT guy is a, <laughs> is a glorified AWS engineer. Like he just, he just <laughs> handles using AWS or Azure. No like one has servers has anymore. There's one guy in every business that's got the passwords to the cloud, and that's it. That's about the extent of his knowledge. He's like, <laughs> they usually call in the cable company to work on the servers, and then, the, then they give the passwords to the IT guy. He's a maintenance tech, usually named Jeff, and, <laughs> Jeff. That's, and that's how that works there. <laughs> um, well... We've, we've kind of talked about quite a bit, a little bit. We didn't really dive deep into the other things that we mentioned, but we did go on some good tangents. Well, you're seeing the big, the, the big companies come into play here. They want, they want to be a part of this. They want to, you know, say me too, we're doing this stuff. Let's, let's get our foot in the door and, you know, and they're bringing a lot of money and infrastructure into it. And 
it kind of rubs up against the uh, like initial ideology of of blockchain. You know, run your own node, protect your own information, secure your own shit. But they're providing services to companies, and that's that's their main goal. They just want to make money, so they will continue to do so. But it doesn't mean you still can't run your own full node. Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. think that there's going to be like a a company that comes out and their marketing model is blockchain as a service b a a s there to do that a lot of people trying to do that already boss (laughs) joe do you have something there oh have you guys heard of the um the ontology network nope ontology ont.io it you're able to connect different blockchains like what jesse was asking before it allows, I haven't heard of that. It allows di- uh, different private databases to connect to each other. So it's kind of in the vein of what you were talking about. Interesting. It's kind of like Zaps. Zaps is trying to oracleize blockchains. They say they can do it. Mm-hmm. Are they actually doing it? I mean, a lot of people are saying like they're working on these problems because they know it's a problem. And then a lot of people say, you know, we have a solution that does this, and they actually don't. Right? It, it, it's they're they're working on the solution. But they don't actually have something that works. Zaps has something that works. I know that because I've been trying to use them for a very long time. Like, and everything I try to use, once you, you know, get past the surface level scratching, it sucks and it doesn't work. And they're like, yeah, actually, we're working on that. We're going to, you know, next release is coming soon, TM. <laughs> that would suck. That would be like if you went to Papa Murphy's and they advertised like this special new Italian sausage. And you're like, dope, about to head down to Papa Murphy's, get this Italian sausage. You go down there like, oh, crazy story. We haven't got it yet. It's coming soon. <laughs> it's coming soon, coming though. Soon. You want this pizza? Go there? Yeah, that's what it is. That's what it's like. So I know you've got... I mentioned Papa Murphy's just so people could hear your opinion on Papa Murphy's. Is that like Olive Garden? No, it's like DiGiorno's because you have to make it yourself. It's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I, I offered to take Joe to Papa Murphy's one time when we lived close to each other. And he almost got angry. He was I like, did. Why? Why would I ever want to go to Papa Murphy's? If I wanted to make a pizza, I'd make a fucking pizza in my house. I go somewhere and watch somebody make a pizza, then I go home and cook it. <clears throat> this is a failed business model. It's like <laughs> going to Baskin Robbins and then I get like a bag of rock salt. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> rock salt, ice. Yeah. <laughs> and flavoring. And like, here, make your own ice cream. You're like, no, I fucking came to an ice cream shop to get some ice cream. Makes no sense. Well, I think you can be feel vindicated because that Papa Murphy's went out of business two years ago. I did it. Yeah. <laughs> As they should. And today's roundtable is brought to you by Papa Murphy. No. <laughs> well, we still got a long way to go with this stuff. A super long way. That's what's scary is like we still have very, 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 very far to go. And we've been in this for a while and it's been going for a while. But I guess that's how tech works. It's a slow thing. So, anyways, we should probably cut to the interview and come back. Yeah, we we got ubiquity. Ubiquity. This is they've been here four times. Well, Nathan has. He keeps like bringing different Charlie's Angels on the show. Oh, the the team is rapidly expanding. I suppose. I feel like 
Nathan just keeps expanding. He's doing multiple things. Like he, <laughs> every single time he brings somebody else that's on his on, a, on his team or it's a different team. It's not like he's yeah. he's changed anything. It's like, or like it's it's someone in, in, in like replacing the other person. It's always somebody new. Mm-hmm. He's just I don't know. Did Come you with ask me, fam. Baby girl. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Ask he explains baby girl. girl. Okay, well, baby girl. I'm gonna tune in because. That's the burning question I need to know. And um, he also had some exclusive news for us on uh, a partnership that they're working on. Um, I mean, Ubiquity is solid. It's, they've been doing this a long time. So well, They have clients um, and they're doing things. And so, yeah, they have clients and they're actually doing things. So, like and they're using things. the blockchain for good purposes. Um, and the Bitcoin blockchain. So for your Bitcoin maximalists out there, you know, holla, 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 holla. Yeah, it's gonna make your, uh, gonna make your, uh, what's it called? Your neck beard tingle. So, yeah. um, so we got Nathan, Cody, and Anastasia. Anastasia, hell of a name. All right, here it is. And hello, everybody. You know my voice. I'm D. And Corey, and we're here to interview Nathan, Anastasia, and Cody from Ubiquity. This is um, this is like a first for us, right? Because this is interview number four, I believe. And I don't think anyone in this entire industry has been on this show four times. Paul Play, so, I believe, has been on four times. What? I think Paul Play has been on four times, maybe three. Hard I think it's three. It's it's three. Either way, welcome back to the show, Nathan. Why don't you uh, give us a quick introduction to yourself, and then we'll have Anastasia and Cody do the same, and we'll start talking about Ubiquity. Sure. Well, well, I'm glad to be back, guys. If it's if if I'm matched up with the other gentleman named what Paul Play, yeah. I'm honored. Um, if we're number four, then we're going to get those golden jackets that you've been promising <laughs> on Twitter. Um, yeah, my name is Nathan, um, early Bitcoin adopter, got in in 09, um, have been doing a lot of different blockchain projects since, and I started a organization called Ubiquity in, two, well, it was called iNation, I guess, back in 2014, became Ubiquity, is the first, uh, first blockchain secure platform for record-keeping ownership and record keeping in general um totally screwed up our slogan but no the first blockchain secure platform for real estate record keeping um my background's in telecommunications engineering and um i've been into startups and entrepreneurial activities since um i was 19 years old and now my 30s and old and i'm the president ceo of ubiquity llc and also the co-founder and chief blockchain officer of Equibit Group. I'm happy nice. to be here. Yep. All right. Anastasia, Cody, the floor is yours. Whoever wants to go first. I'll, uh, I'll take the lead. Uh, so Yay. my name is Anastasia. <laughs> um, I got into, well, first of all, thank you guys for having us on. I love your podcast, so I'm really excited to be here. Right. And I got into the Bitcoin and blockchain space in 2016, so still a little bit new. And, um, you know, met Nathan through networking, and this was the first blockchain project that I got involved in. 
because I really love the technological aspect of it. Um, I'm also the community coordinator for Nexus Earth, which is another um, blockchain, advanced blockchain protocol technology, as well as a cryptocurrency. And um, yeah, I've been loving this industry. It's absolutely amazing. So many new things going on, so many wonderful entrepreneurs out there, and it's, it's awesome. Good deal. Cody, you're up to bat. Hi. Um, okay, so I'm really, really new to Bitcoin. I only met Nathan, I think, uh, what was it, October, November last year. My mm -hmm. um, background is computer engineering. Um, I was an engineering major at Macquarie University in Sydney. I'm from Australia, as you could probably tell. Um, and I met Nathan, we were just talking about telecommunications because I used to do tech support for uh, the biggest ISP in Australia. And we hit it off from there. At the time, I was writing for a libertarian think tank called Liberty Works here in Australia. And um, after Nathan saw a few of my articles, he was like, hey, do you want to do a piece for Ubiquity? And, you know, the rest is history. I'm now, you know, the social media relations manager and writing some good content for them. And I'm learning a lot. And it's just fantastic, really exciting time. Good deal. I got so it. I'm going to take this to a spot that does not shine on Ubiquity yet because I'm highly interested in what you just said. Um, you went from engineer to content writer, and I feel like that's a weird yes. space. That's a weird jump, excluding being in the blockchain space where you almost have to be required to have some type of technical background to write content. Well, you, that's yeah that, that's the weird thing I, I i took like this snake path like i was in um, my major was computer engineering digital electronics the hardware and um i sort of took a break from that and um i don't know writing has just always been sort of a side hobby for me i used to write articles and just save them in my computer and not show anybody and until one day i showed somebody there at liberty works i'm a libertarian and um they read it they loved it they published it and they started publishing me and then yeah I got, as i got more and more recognized it's just blown up like uh in may or uh, i believe I'm, I'm moderating a debate at the um friedman conference which is the biggest australian libertarian conference um in yeah in australia this year which is amazing so uh yeah it's i think Going from writing to blockchain and the path that I've taken, it's sort of it is sort of fluid because it's all about freedom. I'm a huge libertarian, and yeah, why wouldn't I get into blockchain? It's the most you know free kind of version of asset transfer that we have. It's just a free economy at its very purest form. I mean, that's the way we're getting. Hopefully, that's the goal. <laughs> yeah, well, that's hopefully. Goal. Yeah. Um. I have a question. I'm going to change gears here. This this question is directed at you, Nathan. I have to know sure. this. Okay. Hashtag baby girl. <laughs> I have to know. I have well, to know the you know, origins. I have to know the consistency. I have to know why it is. Please you know, let me I, know. I, I would love to tell you that. And it was actually only until recently that I, w I actually realized where I got the baby girl hashtag from it and to be clear to the listeners it's b-a so b-a-b-y-g-u-r-r-l um we own the domain name babygirl.com it is not up yet we're gonna <clears throat> launch it soon uh, we have the hashtag <laughs> if you go on facebook and twitter it's mostly on facebook is a hashtag um i realized recently it was my brother who used to text me every morning when i was doing my side gig and so this is where cody and i kind of had our connection you know i have a telecom engineering background around startup companies for a long time 
but I took, you know, the low job, um, no offense to those who do tech support, but it was something that just sort of was, I knew what to do. I could yeah, do it in my right. sleep. And um, every morning, my brother used to text me, hey, good morning, baby girl. And it just, it stuck. And then a year later, I was probably in- incapacitated. And, and, and anyone who knows uh, the Vancouver community of the type of incapacity that I may have been will understand what I'm referring to. But um, it's okay. Inebriated. Yeah, incapacitated, inebriated. No, uh, yeah, inebriated, <laughs> not incapacitated. <laughs> what am I saying? That usually means that you're like in a hospital, I think. So, uh, uh, well, yeah, okay, so. Uh, <laughs> Yes. Okay. Editing. Cut. Cut. No. Um, I um, I actually one night was just having fun and decided to do hashtag baby girl b a b y g u r l after Bitcoin after it was having a lot of uh, growth in like April May of last year and it sort of caught on and people thought it was something to follow they thought it was something interesting and it I mean it hasn't gone you know viral like a lot of you know, different memes, things out there, but it's, uh, it's definitely caught on. And so when people, when my friends and those in the community ask me what it means, I say, you know, generally means just referring to, to Bitcoin. I have a, a side one for Litecoin called Baby Boy. Um, <laughs> you can join as well, B-A-B-Y-B-O, I think it's two I's. Um, but those who don't know or who are new to Bitcoin, I say that it's a, a place where you lose yourself and you find yourself the existential moment of Zen to all those dead souls inching along the highway and their metal coffins. We shave, we show them that the baby girl spirit is still alive. Baby and they girl. generally just go, what the heck do you, <laughs> what are you talking about? And what I'm talking about is I'm actually quoting lines from the movie point break from 1991 with uh, Keanu Reeves. So you that's go watch so much better. Not the new one, the old one. <laughs> God, There's no, not the one? old one. The, the old one, the old one, the original. I didn't know there the was a new one. one. Yeah, no, that's what I'm yeah. not gonna watch. It like just the changed the colors years. of all the guys' hairs, and they called it new. Um, <laughs> yeah, but anyways, but so okay, don't watch the new one. <laughs> so hashtag baby girl, make it go viral if you're listening. It's really funny. Every time I see it on Facebook, I'm like, I see, I read it in my head like baby girl. But he makes really I, great I, raps I, about it too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I bet it's fun baby girl. Bars, yeah, and and merch comes soon. <laughs> Hashtag. Anyway, so I'm glad you guys are having fun, and it seems like I mean that's all you can do in a market like we've had the past 60 days. You just gotta have fun with it because you know emotions are emotions. Um, but let's switch to the business. Like, so what are some of the milestones Ubiquity's been hitting? Because I don't think you've been on the show. It's almost wait, a calendar wait, year. Wait, wait, wait. Why don't we tell people what Ubiquity is? Yeah. Yeah, let's That's do that. I guess start, there's, there's a lot of listeners. We got a lot of new listeners. We should we should go there first. Let's do that. What is Ubiquity? Anastasia, go first. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay, well basically um Ubiquity developed this uh software to help title companies and municipalities and really anybody who needs to put title and property information onto the blockchain because as we know the blockchain is much more secure than traditional ledgers it's decentralized and distributed um it you know prevents 
a lot of fraud. It can lower transaction fees, etc. And in our world today, there is a lot of people out there who are struggling to retain their property rights. And these kinds of technological advances can help them retain those property rights because what the blockchain is really doing is it is providing digital ownership for physical assets. So we want to help those people be able to put their title information onto the blockchain and um, you know, be able to prove that yes, this land belongs to them. Absolutely. I just wrote a, a blog article about that, actually, if people wanted more information, it's on the Ubiquity. Um, where did you post it, Nathan? Was it on the Facebook page? Um, uh, Facebook, Facebook, link on Twitter, LinkedIn, Medium, yes. Steam it. Yeah. Yes. So it was the article that was essentially just explained everything that Anastasia said. And um, yeah, especially the how it will help st- um, stamp out corruption, essentially, you know. In some countries, the land ownership is passed down generation to generation. They don't have land titles. They have no rights if, you know, the authorities come in and try and take their land. They've got no recourse at all. But if we can put that onto a blockchain, onto the digital ledger, it's just, you know, it's amazing. It'll keep families on their land, you know. It's really, really exciting. Yeah, it definitely is. I I actually personally can relate to that, Um, which is why I love you guys' project so much and have over the years. My sister-in-law's father actually is stuck in Zimbabwe right now because the government is trying to take his land. So he literally has to defend his land and he can't come back to the States. So my sister-in-law just doesn't get to see her father except on like shysty internet Skype calls. So it's a problem. Terrible. It's a problem. And, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, if I guess I could segue into something that would be, um, hopefully give a, a sense to, to hope to, to, to you all is, you know, ubiquity has been privileged enough that, you know, you have that first mover advantage. We were the first, you guys remember us back in 2015 and we've been smart enough with our tech team and everything to be able to get the, the right SEO. And with the right SEO, we were able to get a lot, pretty much all of our business has been incoming inquiries. I mean, our, our, our salespeople have it a lot, very easy so far and a lot of our inquiries as of late have been places within africa mm-hmm. um, zimbabwe has not happened yet but if there was an opportunity we would absolutely take that on because now we've gotten to the point with our platform that we have um you know built it out where we're building out a really strong api for integration and um we we, we can we've actually gotten to the point now where we've proven we've proven that we have helped a developing nation, the the you know the nation of Brazil um, in Pelotas. If you guys remember that from last year, mm-hmm. um, and we were, we were able to help. Uh, we did a land a records um, a pilot for several months. We had a, a case study done by the University of British Columbia with uh, Dr. Victoria Lemieux, who uh, did her tenure at the World Bank, and that got us a lot of attention. That got us in Reuters, like Reuters news. That got us in a lot of media. And um, we've gotten inquiries from from places with you know countries within Africa, and um, we're just doing our best to you know. And I, I please excuse the cliche, you know, change the world one block at a time. We really are trying to help people um, with our technology. So, well, I, I like that a lot, and I think that it's it's important to to just make a distinction here. You last time we talked, you yeah. were using the Bitcoin blockchain to store. Um, these these ownerships of land titles, right? Is that is, is that something you're still doing? And why do you choose the Bitcoin blockchain versus all of the plethora of other options you could choose from nowadays? 
Yeah, sure. That's a great question. Well, what, you know, what we've always tried to do is not reinvent the wheel with Ubiquity. Um, you know, we have a software as a service front end and a back end of the, the platform, which links into so far um, uses the color coins technology. You know, we have been approached by the folks um, at Chromaway. They're good friends of mine, uh, good friends of all of ours. Um, I guess perhaps not everyone in the company, but some of the good, you know, the founders and some of the, the folks who put this infrastructure together, uh, good friends with those guys, and they're coming out with different technologies. Um, we, we did focus on color coins because it's blockchain agnostic. Um, they, they support Bitcoin, Ethereum, Hyperledger, and multi-chain. And um, that's, you know, that's been one of our missions is that, or, or part of our mission is that we're remaining blockchain agnostic. So Bitcoin has just been a good default for us. Uh, we were looking at moving off the Bitcoin blockchain when there was that huge transaction cost issue in the fall. Um, you know, so obviously that has been resolved. And so we're looking at, we're just looking at Bitcoin just because it's the oldest blockchain it has the most support. It's the most secure as I, I think arguably the most nodes, that kind of thing. Good explanation. I think last winter was it? It was more than a winter. It was a pretty long while. No, I'm talking about when the transaction fees were crazy. Crazy. I think it last like last summer for sure. Last fall, and then you had a lot of uh, folks from the Bitcoin Cash community kind of coming out of the woodwork, and Mm -hmm. uh, others who were, uh, you know, had had their criticisms of Bitcoin core. I think we're probably warranted to some degree. And uh, all right, that's cases, that 40 of- minute debate that we had, Nathan. Remember? And um, I think <laughs> it was summer here, so it would have been winter there. So we had a big 40 minute debate about the mm-hmm. downfalls of blockchain and um, I mean, not blockchain, Bitcoin. Tell us about the transaction it. Give us rates. The Give us the dirty yeah. details. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, you brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> oh no if i can remember geez that was a long time ago i think it was what december maybe i don't know i was just chilling in the car park and i'm talking to nathan and i'm saying he's saying oh it could go over fifty thousand, and i'm like well we have no idea what it's valued at yet you know the the technology is great but we don't know the fundamentals just yet um and ugh, i can't even remember the rest of the conversation nathan can you remember any of it please help me uh, well uh, other than the fact that you know, you had some criticisms about Bitcoin's value and, and then utility. Yeah. And um, it was a good debate back uh, and yes, forth. Yes, the utility. The utility. The, um, the, the fact that, you know, transactions were taking like 8 to 12 hours to, to go through it. It cost like a guy, I think it cost him like $80 to buy a pizza or something, which is just ridiculous. So the value of Bitcoin as a currency itself was just unsustainable. And it was um, a total uh, speculative market at that point. Mm-hmm. But the I blockchain love. technology is sound. Yeah, it's what I it's what I love about kind of the the non financial applications, although it, that like what you have going on, um, because blockchain as a you know as an idea is useful for other types of things. But our first application that people really stuck onto was like heavily financially incentivized because it really does disrupt a lot of the things that we've done in financial markets. But just make just proving ownership of high assets and digitizing them is another great use case, which you need to use a blockchain for, like, for instance, like what you're doing. And the utility comes into play very much so when you start to do things like that. And I think it's like, it's a good argument to have of like, yeah, the price is going crazy. We don't really care about the price for our use case, but it's affecting our ability to operate. 
Uh, and <clears throat> granted, title exchange is already an expensive process. So it's not like you're too much worried about the fee structure because it's already really expensive to do so. So like 20 bucks isn't that big of a deal. But being able to do it in a time frame that's that's manageable upon doing something like you, you you boast the idea that you're able to do transfers quick and easy and fast by using a blockchain. But when you lack utility because of crazy economics going on with the underlying blockchain, it it limits your capability to make that that boast. Have you, is that something that you've experienced? We we have not because you know when when the fee you know the issue was going on we were still kind of in the pilot stage. Um, the the other work we were doing was more of the consulting and integration mm -hmm. side of things. Um, and a lot of our clients, I mean, I, some some of the clients during that time um, simply just were unaware of it, and they were aware of the large fees that exist within the real estate industry and the the lawyer fees, which you still have to have. You know, we're not living in this um, perfect world where we have distributed autonomous organizations that are going to that the claim or assert to replace lawyers and you know uh courts and things so we were we were aware of those things we of course full disclosure we're telling our our clients hey look you know we have these um these 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 fees would you be willing to look at ethereum and other um you know other technologies that we could support like hyperledger and multi-chain and um, the folks we spoke to were just like, oh, stick with Bitcoin. <laughs> this is what you know. The fees aren't going to be that astronomically high. And uh, it, it ended up working out in the end. Yeah. They I mean, plus, like real estate experts. Real estate transactions, people are already used to taking like a month, right? So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what's three days and $80 worth of Bitcoin fees? I'm saying. I mean, that's, yeah, that's revolutionary for the real estate industry. Um, everything, it's it's a very old industry, obviously, because property has been around forever. So, and a lot of it, you know, kind of boomed in America um, during the time when internet still wasn't around. So now in, you know, the late 1990s, we have this internet revolution and everything starts to become digital and the real estate is industry is trying to catch up to it. And now, you know, a couple of decades later, we have the blockchain revolution coming in. So now the real estate industry has to adapt to that. And comparatively, um, their process is, is pretty slow. So even just this, this innovation would propel that industry forward and really, really revolutionize it. So what's what's keeping y'all from taking over the title world like what what are your setbacks <laughs> like what's keeping what is it a technological thing is it a maybe a user adoption and their reluctance to believe that blockchain can solve their problems is it just pure ignorance and people not understanding that you exist what are the types of things that are keeping you from from getting to that ultimate dream goal of ubiquity being the back end of how all of this works all this works great yeah. question um I, I think you actually covered all of it um there <laughs> I guess I guess what the other one that you might be missing is the fear, uncertainty, and doubt that is actually not being perpetuated as much. I think so much in the community, and I know it was mostly focused on Bitcoin. Um, but there's certainly a lot of fear and uncertainty and doubt within the traditional title insurance industry. There, you know, they read a lot of these articles, and they especially, you know, maybe about a year ago, articles that came out that said things like "we're going to consolidate," "we're going to disrupt," big scary words, and these articles that were coming out from well, you know, mainstream news as well as 
news uh, agencies within the within the Bitcoin space, and I'm not going to name any. Um, using, you know, obviously using hyperbole, and they're a deadline-driven industry, so they're trying to sell ad space and get attention to their site. And they were th- saying things like, "We're going to, you know, eliminate jobs within title in- title insurance industry." Um, so, yeah, that, that was that was a big issue that we've seen with law firms as well as lawyers from some of the big four title insurance companies. That was a big pushback we've gotten. Um, uh, I guess fear of of other things. Um, we've education's been a big thing. Uh, you know, we were, and I say privileged. We were truly privileged enough. Myself, um, a um, an advisor to our company, who you guys may know, um, Avi Spielman, who did his master thesis at MIT Center for Real Estate. He mentioned ubiquity throughout in other companies and just the technology. It's a very dense sixty some page paper. Um, his master thesis. And he made it on this technology. So he was on a panel with me, as well as the deputy recorder of deeds for Cook County, Illinois, which is the third largest land records office um, in Illinois. And so we ended up speaking at the uh, National Association of Realtors event. And it's like the realtors with capital letters and the you know registered R, the big mm-hmm. boys. And it was a phenomenal, phenomenal conference. I was there. I have never been on a panel that big before, guys and ladies. I was shaking for the first 10 minutes and thank goodness there was no any cameras. I, we, we, thank goodness we had, you know, we, I I was backed by guys who were less nervous speaking publicly and they talked about smart contracts. They talked about use cases and I discussed uh, a bunch of different things. Um, Some of the concerns within the industry being not another platform. Um, You know, you guys, I think one of you guys mentioned uh, not another platform. People in the real estate industry don't want to have to log into another freaking platform. And I pointed at the back of the room and I said, I have a member of our team and Marina Resnick, you know, who's, who's one of our shareholders, I pointed at the back of the, and then she had 350 people sort of look at her at the same time. And I said, she's complained about this. She's explained how much it's been a pain point for her. So out of that and through explanations of other people that we've spoken to and other advisors, we realized that, you know, we needed to make something that would not require them to be logged in to a platform. And so I explained, I said, look, guys, Mike, you know, eventually we're going to have ubiquity. Um, we're hoping ubiquity that would be in the plumbing of your real estate system. You're, you know, you, and I use the, the analogy of, you know, can you open up your web browser and you want to go to a website and you want to do business, you push the button. I made it that simple. The, the audience was a bit older and they're not technically savvy. And I said, you don't think about TCP IP protocol and send mail and packets going back and forth and all that stuff. It's, um, you know, you want to be able to have a you know very seamless experience, a ubiquitous experience, and kind of everyone laughed. Um, and I said, ubiquity will be another ass, you know, another part of that. And the blockchain is just another protocol on top of that. And it's that simple. It's just going to be in the back end. You're not going to have to think about it. Um, so when I so so, I guess that's been kind of a, you know, a hard thing to kind of explain to people, and they people were very receptive. At the conference That's, and that gave us hope it's not you guys' fault though this is something that Corey no. Cho and i discussed a lot is that there you're looking at close to 20 years worth of user engagement and a user experience where yeah. like 80 percent of the population was introduced to logging into aol and that's what they are comfortable with doing they don't understand yeah. anything different if i go to a website i log in if i do this i log in i have a password um, so it's gonna it's gonna be really hard to jump that bridge unless there's some sort of physical interaction that that shows them there's a different way. Um, that's not you guys' fault, but um, absolutely. 
Um, you know, we've, but we've been, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I think one of the things that we've been lucky with is that people are starting to sort of understand what the use cases are, or at least what the potential is. And we've done a kind of a slight pivot and we realize that, look, and, and, and this is maybe one of the biggest, well, biggest issues we had when we were going after VCs, which I think was a big mistake of ours. And, and I'm happy to admit mistakes. I mean, the mistake was chasing VC, VC money. Um, we've never we've never gotten any VC money. We've never done an ICO. We'll never will do an ICO. We're self-funded, and now we're client-funded. And to be able to say that, I, I think gives me a tremendous amount of um, of happiness and pride to some degree. And we're not uh, beholden to any third parties. It's just friend and family owned but i i think you know to speak to that that may be another challenge that you know we're facing it's yeah. easy to well it's a lot easier to budget in a private company where you are the steward of the money um but when we're talking about uh government organizations like municipalities their budgets are much more limited so they have to go through a very long research process to make sure that the software that they're investing in is really going to help them and is um, you know is is uh, affordable for them on those tight government budgets. It's, how how do you how do you convey that message that it is, that that is what they want to do? Because right? it's kind of coming from starting from the fact that you're never going to do an ICO. What an ICO does um, that a lot of people don't automatically understand is that it bootstraps your community and community is a big part of how a lot of blockchain works. Unless you, if, if you are basing yourself on a token, but since you're providing a service, you have to then bootstrap your community with something that's already traditionally there, which makes it more difficult. You have to, you know, there's an educational process. They're not incentivized to learn these things. And what you're doing is you're, especially working with things like municipalities who have very strict guidelines on how they spend their money is selling a very bleeding edge technology to people who aren't necessarily up to par with understanding it. That's a, that's a difficult thing to do. I imagine. It, it is. Um, it, you know, one of the, one of the things that we've done that has helped us is that we, for, you know, first and foremost, we'll generally get contacted by true believers within a say a, a municipality. We were contacted by some folks in, you know, um, uh, well, I should probably shouldn't say the states, but we were, you know, there were states within the U.S. and they conveyed sincere interest, and we they were able to bring our proposals. We have templated proposals, and we have ones that obviously we modify them for their jurisdiction. Um, you know, with different use cases, and we argue. We say, look, look, you know, we see major innovation and cost savings and job creation and the opportunities for blockchain to reshape your industry. Um, you know, we have this, this this parallel recording platform that has the power to streamline and manual intensive practices within the industry, and we will do a free pilot for you. And that doesn't cost us very much. And the terms of those pilots is like, okay, you give us like, you know, maybe a, a few records. They don't generally need more than like, you know, 30 or 40 records. And we can sh demonstrate to them like, look, there is a way to be able to track that. Okay, there's a record from a municipality to our system. And no, obviously it's not legally bound and it's not legally recognized, but is a good start. And it gives them a good um, understanding from a visual aspect. And I think that there's most people our visual learners and that has helped us. And then it allows us to take the next steps, which of course is the meetings and 
explaining how our API works. That's that's when like that's when the technical people come on those calls and it it, it gets easier from there. <laughs> so, speaking from the more. non-technical side though, um, honestly, when it comes down to it, what Ubiquity is doing is changing, you know, land ownership, essentially people's land. And property ownership is a really personal kind of thing. And I think a lot of people would be reluctant to, you know, hand over their property to a, a system they don't understand. So we've got to get the word out there that, you know, this is a good thing. This is going to help people stay in their homes and, they, you know, keep their assets, keep their businesses. And I think um, that's, yeah, that's a very, very integral part of how we should be able to get that word out into the world. So that's something I kind of want to drill down into is that real estate's kind of real estate's not like a lot of people say real estate and they just think like it's magic ownership of property but there's lots of bullet points there's lots of levels like what do you guys focus on is it residential industrial commercial is it like what what exactly is your target market or is it just real estate period like you just want if somebody's got some land or property they need to sell they can put their contract on the bitcoin blockchain so we've always focused on having a platform that is a parallel recorded platform that can record, um, you know, land records ownership from municipalities. And we've also looked at commercial real estate. Um, there have been some companies that have contacted us, you know, sort of an ongoing conversation for those kind of creating land from, you know, not just in the U.S., but, you know, worldwide, of course, you know, in Brazil and People who create you know, new land records, um, even even tiny homes, those who are looking for a clean record of ownership. And so we've taken that into account. I think that the biggest um, one of the biggest challenges is having a platform in which municipalities will cooperate. And if you have, say, a, a land record office or or, you know, such in which um, you have title insurance companies involved, there is there is sort of a. Um, there is sort of that search part of it that you have to worry about. You have to worry about the clean record of ownership, and there's a lot of data to kind of add to that. So we're taking that into account as well. By the way, everything I learned from real estate, I learned from Sin City 3000. It was like this weird city <laughs> planning simulator. Nice. I, was like, I loved that game. I played the hell out of that game. And how hard it is. Oh, my was, God. <laughs> what do you mean I'm having traffic problems? I have 14 lane roads. What's the problem? mine was like the lesson i learned hardcore was you don't build a prison next to residential property i was like what's (laughs) what's up with all those ghost houses (laughs) where'd all the money go anyways (laughs) Um, (laughs) so nathan so the other day on facebook you mentioned something about like an oil deal you said we need to talk about this oil deal, and I said, "Like real oil? Or are you using the weird metaphor that I used in my Facebook post?" And you were like, "No, real oil." So please real do oil. spill the beans. Well, there has been, um, and and then we need to can't really talk about the specific details until it's into fruition. But we've gotten contacted by a um, a, a general counsel for an energy organization, of course, within Texas, um, who are looking at a joint partnership with the oil and gas industry and they really believe that there's um a way for you know they saw transparency or parallel excuse me parallels within the real estate industry and how it could be applied uh, applied to excuse me oil and gas and uh we're in early talks with them and we're looking at doing some transactions um for them within some of the oil and gas um markets that they're working with i, I can't really say more than that i need to be 
very vague, but we have been con- gotten we've gotten contacted by oil industry. We've gotten contacted by I mean uh, every <laughs> tons of different industries beyond this, and uh, so we're we're pr- quite excited. It's kind of interesting because it's it, it works really well with like I, I'm trying to just think about possibilities of how your API connects with services like what they're doing and what they're trying to secure. And I feel as though like real estate is maybe a beginning in what Ubiquity can become in terms of what it does based on all of the types of things that would like to do very similar types, like types of work. It's just real estate was an obvious choice for the beginning because it's wrought with complication and paperwork yeah. and due diligence and red mm-hmm. tape. And so by yeah. proving yourself there, you're able to then move out into different markets that can also benefit from very much the same thing. Absolutely. Like you that. hit the nail on the head. Um, you know, transaction costs are a big issue. Um, you know, the due diligence process is part of it. And typically costs, what we've learned, is like five figures per transaction. And, you know, mineral uh, interest owners are there. There's a great cost. Um, and there's other ways to be able to record you can record some of these these documents and verifying ownership page by page um, of interests within this industry um within a with a very easy way and you know within a well how how do i say this with with a platform that has been proven and using a technology that is immutable is proven to be somewhat secure and um has good use cases with which of course what ubiquity has I like that because it goes along the same vein of that news report that came out about three months ago about the 3,000 tons of wheat and they used the Bitcoin blockchain, the, the Bitcoin blockchain for that transaction and oil is like another commodity. And I think that kind of you sh- it shows that cryptocurrency is turning a corner when we're willing to trade um, needed commodities with it. So absolutely, I'm excited absolutely. about that. I'm pretty pumped yep. about it. We are as well. And, you know, as we as we learned that there is no one fit solution and one platform that's going to be able to scale with every single industry or even every single municipality within the real estate industry, we're starting to realize that there's other ways to be able to get that happen, make that happen, excuse me. And our API and the development work from our amazing team is making that a making that a reality one block at a time. Well, we can wrap it up. We uh Nathan, you know the question, right? And you're going to get another opportunity to answer it. And because you guys do focus on Bitcoin, it sticks to the original script. In 10 words or less, can you describe Bitcoin? Yeah, I can. And I'll give the ladies an opportunity to do that as well. Um, The first example of value transfer that can't be censored. Oh, you're over Got a winner. First, no, is it? <laughs> yeah, we're, I'm the not first playing. Example <laughs> of value transfer that oh, can't be sent. Okay, you're good. All right, we're good here. I'm terrible okay. at counting. That's ten. He's Who wants to go next? All right, Anastasia, give it to us. Um, wait, can you repeat the question? In ten words or less, can you describe Bitcoin? True exchange of energy in the physical. Yeah, that's under 10 for sure. Okay, that's seven. That's solid. True exchange of energy in the physical. 
That's the kind of meta. Yes. I'm going <laughs> to I'm 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 extrapolate on that one. You need to. Yeah, I'm going to go on a hike for that one. Nope. You I need so, to tell me why. Yeah. So I'm a little bit of an economics nerd. Um, that's why I'm like, you know, all about free markets and the Fed, cryptocurrencies, et cetera. And really what I see this technology doing is flipping the debt-based monetary system into a prosperity-based monetary system. And what that means is economics in its you know, most fundamental level is just people exchanging energy. So you exchange energy through your experience, through your knowledge, through your services, the products that you create, through your labor, through really everything that you are. And you exchange that value in different ways. So how do we bring that into the physical. Well, we reflect that value through monetary systems. So you have a product and I have money to exchange for it, or I provide a service and you have money to exchange for that. So basically this new prosperity based system is reflecting a much more true representation of value of our energetic value between each other um, because it is prosperity based. All right. That's a great explanation of what you said. And now that's Cody. a medium post for the listeners out there. You're welcome. Um, Anastasia, you should say you're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome, guys. We're doing it. Awesome. Hashtag baby girl. <laughs> of course. Girl. Every time. All right. Um, um, okay. Um, an extremely important step forward in technology for freedom. Beautiful. We have we have three, three for three. Guests. Who actually got it underneath 10 with good yeah. answers that weren't just like digital money, yo. <laughs> <laughs> it's right, wizard juice. It's wizard juice. Anyways. Absolutely. Um, Anastasia, could... Cody, Nathan, yeah. thank you for stopping by. This is a four, the fourth time Ubiquity has been on. And Absolutely. I if hope I... it goes to a fifth sooner rather than later. <laughs> I hope so as well. And see if you see me in Chile in June, I'm going to be on a panel. It's going to be dope for right. Ubiquity. Okay. Before, before we leave here, how can people get a hold of y'all? What, how, where can they go to find more information, et cetera? How do, how do they learn about more about Baby Girl? <laughs> well, well, you can learn more about Baby Girl on our Facebook page. Our site's going to come soon with merch um, you know, on Facebook. Just look up Baby Girl, B-A-B-Y-G-U-R-R-L. Um, for Ubiquity, just visit www.ubiquity. Dot io that's u b i t is in tango q u i t y dot io I'll just google it everyone googles a, it it'll take you there <laughs> yeah. or email info at ubiquity dot io and anastasia will be happy to get back to you absolutely we'll get you some show links too audience sure. we want merch send us merch when you get it <laughs> i want Free. a baby girl hat please I'll, I'll work with nathan on some merch all right i'll, I'll work this out all for right. you okay all right. <laughs> Well, Deal. No worries. And that was the interview with Ubiquity. Nathan, if you're listening, we're gonna we're gonna see about getting you that golden jacket. That's four times you've been on our show. Thank you very much for stopping by and teaching everyone what baby girl means. Baby girl. Um it's catchy. I'll give you that much. And when the baby girl shirts drop, please let us have one. We'll put it on the Twitters. Um, so I want to talk about the thing that's probably on every crypto head's mind right now, and that is, you guessed it, it starts with a P and it rhymes with rice. Coming Pork back. Rice. Coming back. What did you say? What did you say? 
or so, Jesus Christ. It does also rhyme with Christ. It also rhymes with dice and lice and mice. Oh, you sound like Mike Jones. You could be like a, like a rapper these days and say it rhymes with price. Instead <laughs> <laughs> of using the same damn words and rhymes these days. Good deal. Um, well, yeah, the price is coming back, man. This is funny. So we did, there was like 13,000 articles on one day trying to push a death cross. The death cross is coming. And like they, everybody, even Forbes, the death cross. I think Trump himself tweeted it. Bitcoin death cross coming up, guys. And then we... <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad. It's not bad. I'm the best... Bitcoin trader, there is death cross, and then it didn't happen, right? Uh, we bounced off of six thousand, which was a pretty heavy resistance, and now we're going up. We're going up. We're at eight. What were we at? Eighty eight hundred, right? We're now? at a six hundred dollar ether too. Yeah, yep. ether. I think Amazon bought a shit ton of ether and then threw some salt in the game. That's what I really think happened. Ether went up like damn near tub- double in the last month here. So. Cool. Yeah, man, there's a lot of price action going on, man. You know I like price action. Well, we so, all like we, we, I like money. You like money too? Jesse, you like money? I like money. <laughs> can't, can't, be, can't believe you like money. We should hang out more. <laughs> <laughs> and Cello, we all know you like money. So Cello, we need to start a countdown. Like you you said something on Twitter and you were bold about it. You were like, listen, I don't give a damn. If Bitcoin hits 40K, I'm up out this bitch. That's what you said. Isn't it? I'm, 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 out of, uh, I'm out of Bitcoin. I'm not out of the game. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, should we start like a, like a little mini site on our website that shows the cello out the game <laughs> status? Like it's think- you on like Mario's body. And Everybody like, should have an out the game status. Running towards the forty k for Bitcoin. I mean, if you're not uh, if you're not taking profits when you need like when it's 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 an obvious win. Yeah, I feel like you're playing the game wrong. I mean, of course, we all want this to succeed and become the back end of how value exchange works on a global scale. But we keep saying it. We're a long way from there, and we're going to go through ups and downs till we get there. And oh, we don't know what it's going to look like when we're there or what it's going to be called. If, and if you think you do, you're wrong. So mm, take, take some wins, man. Report. Take some I, wins. I have, I have my first crypto fail story in my crypto career. It happened this week. Ooh, Let's talk about that. that. Yeah, so I invested in this altcoin. And because they wanted to be difficult, it wasn't an ARC20 token. They had their own blockchain, so I had to download their own stupid dumb wallet. So I was holding on to it for six months on my work computer, and then my stupid, dumb startup uh, laid me off, so I had to give away my dumb, stupid MacBook that had my old wallet on there. And uh, they just got listed on Binance, and I was like, oh, great. When a, when a token gets listed on Binance, it always surges in price. That's a good time to, to get out. So um, you know, I tried to re-download the wallet, and it turns out they had a, a new version of the wallet. And unless you backed up your old wallet, there was no way to access your funds. So I lost all my money. I feel <laughs> like yeah, that's definitely a fail story because I feel like you should have known better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, so I, I downloaded the wallet on my work computer, got laid off, lost my computer, lost my wallet, lost my money. So, yeah. yep. Lesson yeah. learned. That's the st- I, I think you just told a story of a lot of people getting into this. Yep. Yeah, that's why I wanted to say it because it even happens to a host of a, the Bitcoin podcast. It happens. it happens. It happens. Yep. Oh, I'm sure I've lost some money. Story. I'm sure I've lost some money. Yeah. yeah your fail story was retarded. Oh, yeah, for you new people that are listening <laughs> right now, uh, when we mined all this Litecoin, I moved some of my like I moved the majority of my Litecoin and the left 39 in this wallet I had on my desktop because I was like, 39 is a great number. And so <laughs> I left 39 in there exactly. And then I was trying to download Open Bazaar because we were going to launch a store for Front through Open Bazaar. And my computer was like, yo, dog, you don't have enough hard drive space. And I was like, all right, dog. So then I go into my Explorer and I start looking for shit to delete. You know, standard issue stuff like playlists for ex-girlfriends and maybe some porn you haven't seen in years. Like going for the big files. And then uh, I found this huge file. And it was called, uh, uh, I think it was the temp file. No, it was called app data. No, the app data file. You 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 deleted a a a folder. First off, it's a folder. A folder that contains that. lots and lots and lots of files <laughs> that are probably something to do with all of the data of all of your apps because it's called yeah. app data. Yep. So I totally ignored all of the common sense things. And I was like, that's a really big folder. That's going to give me all the room I need for open bazaar. And I deleted the shit out of it after several bubbles popped up. They were like, you sure you want to do this? And I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I need the space. They come on, man, this is the app data folder. You shouldn't do this. And I was like, I'm deleting it, deleted it. And then my computer completely broke. And I was like, huh, <laughs> nothing so, is working like it usually works here. Yeah, so in windows, the, uh, first off this, 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 it's, Kind of impressive because this is by default a hidden folder. Yeah, yeah. It's you have to I enable the view. Everything. Yeah, you have to unhide everything. Uh, and they're like, "You sure you want to do that?" And he's like, "Yeah, it's fine. Don't, don't worry about it." And I know what I'm doing. And the app data <laughs> folder will basically stores all of the local um, application configuration settings. As well, and for a lot of cryptocurrency stuff, especially early days when you installed the Qt wallet or any of the wallet software, mm-hmm. um, it stored your, your, your wallet file. The wallet.data file. The wallet.dat yeah. file inside, inside the app data folder. And yep. so D deleted this, and it deleted all of his private keys. Yep. And gone. they're gone. And so I went to load up, look at my wallet again, and it was like, balance of zero. And I was like, oh, that's funny. I guess it needs to resync or something. <laughs> and then I... <laughs> <laughs> Then I wait like four hours for the Litecoin blockchain to resync, and it's like balance of zero. And I'm like, <laughs> this is fucking a joke or some shit. Like, where'd my money go? And um, no, it's gone. It's gone forever. So 39 Litecoin are just stuck in the internet right now. Forever. I feel like I feel like that's you're, so much like, money. You were staring at your computer when I was trying to explain this to you, uh, like the Zoolander scene, where like it's in the computer. Like, it's... Holy shit, guys! It's like six G's almost. Dude, that's not that's, that's nothing. In the Slack, when I posted, I'm buying Tron that one day, like a long time ago, and yeah. I bought it super cheap. 
I had like 160,000 Tron, which is like maybe $50,000 at its peak. Mm. And I just, I was working on some other altcoins. I was picking up some garlic coin and something else. And I forgot about it and I forgot to sell it. And it just went all the way back down to like six, like $6,000 from like 50 something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that it's Tron though. It's going to go to the moon. So hold. <laughs> That's right. Just his son, uh, he actually, um, he just partnered with Bill Gates. Did you guys see that one? No. No, that didn't happen. I know. I'm joking, because he doesn't partner with anyone, really. He just says a bunch of random shit. You know, I bought Tron <laughs> because of you, Jesse. Like, right when you told me to buy it, I bought well, it. Well, I mean, if you would have sold it a good time. Sold it. <laughs> I did not buy 150000 though. I bought 1500 So, yeah. It's, yeah. it's just an experiment. It you was an experiment. It I don't know great. how. I actually had Tron. I don't know where it came from. I have no idea where it came from. It, it's oh, like Tron it got it got airdropped to me. <laughs> Tron comes to you. If you Tron denounce Tron. if you denounce Tron openly on a public forum, they will deposit it in your account. <laughs> Dude, four people in like one week. You and Cello were like, "Get some Tron," and I was like, "What is Tron? I love that movie." And then four people on Facebook <laughs> messaged me and they're like, "Have you seen Tron?" And I was like, "I have seen it. It's a great movie." And then it's like, "No, it's a token." I go and I read the white paper and I was just like, so shitty. So like, what is this? Like the Optimus Prime protocol is going to be responsible for instilling justice on the smart contracts. And I was like, what the fuck? Did they get high and write this white paper? And then like, you don't read the white papers before you buy a coin. You just buy it. (laughs) That was the mistake you made. You watch the, you watch the quality of the memes, D come on. Yeah. Yeah. If anybody in a generalized Tron channel tries to steal your Tron, the Megatron contract is going to launch. <laughs> it's like these guys are stoned. I think, I think the moral of all of these stories is that if you listen to us in terms of what coins you choose to pick, you're probably going to fail. <laughs> no, you just got to sell. You got to sell when you're in the green. <laughs> yeah, so, so let's start a new trend here today. And it's not HODL. Let's call it HODL+. Plus. <laughs> you hot you have a core hold like this is my grandchildren's yacht money and then you have plus <laughs> which is when you have a w take a w when you have a win take a win so let's What's call a it auto plus how much is a win you have a quantitative amount of wins it's not quantitative <laughs> it's, it all depends on the person for you it was like i'm gonna get a crib yeah for me it was like i'm gonna pay off all my student loans and get a crib like, so HODL plus, whatever, if you feel you could do something with your life that you couldn't do if you didn't have the capital, and now you can, take the W. I was just frozen in shock. It's like, it's like when you forget about stuff, like in a video game. For me, like, I hoard virtual items, right? doesn't matter if it's crypto. It could be like a Santa hat in RuneScape, which recently I... I tried to sell it for $2,000, but I ended up getting it scammed for $2,000. But anyway, I have I have a history of like <laughs> selling really rare shit that I accumulate. And uh, it's just like when you have a lot of money and you see the like the amount of money you have, like sometimes you don't know what to do with it. Yeah, that is very true. It's that like, what like do you bragging. do? It's just, it's, that, it's also like monopoly money because it doesn't feel real until you feel the tangible change in your life. 
Exactly. And and when you see something change, like from in my experience, going from a small amount to a large amount in crypto was somewhat surreal and it didn't feel like I had that money. It didn't feel like it was like a number in my bank account. It just felt like, oh, the number got bigger. Cool. Because for a while, like during the process of it growing that much, I didn't really have a reason to use it or like a, a way to use it. Exactly. Is it that or is it because you didn't earn the money? Oh, it's I earned it. I earned no, that no, no. shit. In I don't feel like sense. In a traditional but it's both. Sense. Yeah, I think it's I think it's part of that. Like I I as if I were a trader, I I would feel like I'm I don't know. Like I didn't earn anything. I'm just I made something out of nothing, which <laughs> it, it, it that's kind of what happened. It's like I just made a bunch of money out of doing nothing. And it doesn't feel real. Until like then I took money out and I bought a house. And I'm like, oh wait, that was that was real. So I guess that means the rest of it's real too. Oh shit. It's funny that you say that, Corey. That's um that's something that my actual my brother said that we should speak to because he listens to our show now. Cause he was like, I didn't buy crypto and make it a residual thing that I keep buying until you flew here to visit me by buying your plane ticket with Bitcoin. And I was like, oh shit, like you could actually buy stuff with that. It is money. And I was like, yeah, man, it has value. And he was like, man, y'all need to just do a special where you just buy J's with Bitcoin and then send that to BET. And I was like, that's right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was, I was, a little bit racist. For the nerds out there, please explain what J's are. Oh, J's are... Um, I'm wow. I probably this is the community out. I have to explain this to. Uh, Jays are Michael Jordan's tennis shoes, and they're really right. expensive. And they're collecting. You have to explain who Michael Jordan is now. Okay, <laughs> Michael Jordan is one. He's the second best basketball player of all time. Who's the first? Uh, he played, uh, James. Don't say LeBron. James. No. Uh, we're not gonna have that argument on the air. Boo. Um, but he's the second best basketball player of all time. Uh, he. <laughs> I just shut it down. No, he's not the best. Anyways, Michael Jordan is a great basketball player. If you don't know who he is, um, just go live in a camp somewhere. Um, so uh, he had a shoe. They're called Jordans, and he has lots of these Jordans. Um, there's an entire market centered around getting Jordans that are rare. Uh, when a new Jordan line comes out, you'll see a line of just tons of black people at them all. Cop it. In that footlocker. To cop those J's, baby. Those kicks. Um, Copping kicks. I, I myself had one pair of J's. I bought it for $300, and I was like, I'm never going to do this ever again. Uh, my brother actually has lots of J's and a J container shaped like a Jordan Michael Jordan shoebox. It's intense. It's a thing. So, yeah, anyways. Um, and, it, oh, the kids that at the at Denver... ETH Denver actually won the hackathon with making the non-fungible tokens of like sneakers. Like sneakerheads are real guys. Like there's people that just buy sneakers and resell sneakers for thousands of dollars. I mean, month. shit. AR Joe was talking about that in the Slack like months ago. Yeah, yeah. like a long time ago. AR Joe. AR Joe. I think it's AR Joe. Who knows? It's a it's a it's a username. Okay. F E R Galati was talking to AR Joe. <laughs> Uh, yeah, 
that's a thing. But I agree with you, Corey. Like people don't understand this stuff has value until you demonstrate the value of it. Demonstrate right? your value. Demonstrate it. It's the first step of the dentist system for those that know that. <laughs> and then what? what is it? Something is like separate. The last one is separate entirely. Entirely. Separate yeah. entirely. Um, yeah. Right, let's wrap. Jesse, what's the coolest thing you bought with your cryptos? Um, an MSI laptop yesterday. For nice. programming. It's fresh. Yeah. No, I don't really buy a lot of stuff, actually, so. He hoards them. He talks about it, remember? He, yeah, he likes buying them. things. He wants to hoard them. <laughs> the best part about being a digital hoarder is that you don't have feces piling up in the corner of your house. Mm-hmm. There you go. Somebody watches hoarders. I love that show. It makes me feel so good about myself. It's like, damn, throw that shit away, crazy ass. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. That's what we're going to be saying about people who are hoarding shitty altcoins. It's like, dude, sell that stuff. You can throw it away. Just delete your private keys. Fine. It, it doesn't matter. They're worthless. I got one last story to tell, and then we can go. Am I okay, Shallow? Yeah, man. So, one, Jesse, I agree with you that digital hoarding is kind of cool because I played Final Fantasy fourteen for a while. <laughs> yeah. And for some reason, I got really into crafting. Like... I would log on to this game and then just stare at my character craft weapons for like four hours. And I was like, this is so cool. I am a craftsmith. And then I would put these like rare items and I would sell them. But in that game, you can like, okay, so I go way too in the fantasy world. You have these four like little women that take the stuff that you craft and then they put it on the market for you. Okay. So then, yeah. so then I bought the gear to make my character look like a pimp, and <laughs> my four women were dressed appropriately to what a pimp, you know, a pimp would have for women. Those are and, called hoes. Uh, <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, Corey, I did call them hoes. And then the the one that was making the most money, I would call the bottom bitch. Now there's actually a book about pimping. And you can get all these terms, <laughs> but it was, I could say I could relate. Cause I had like millions and millions of these. I had like 20 million gill or whatever the money was in that final fantasy 14. And it yeah. got to the point where it was like, I'm not even, I don't even care how much money's in there anymore. I just want to sell rare weapons with my bottom bitch. You should, you so, should turn that, that desire into some type of you know non fungible token game like CryptoKitties or you know that just isn't CryptoKitties but something that people will get into because people like fantasy shit. So I mean, Ethercraft, right? Yeah, Ethercraft does that. I mean, you can it, that, there's a that's the market that's building right yeah. now is people who are building games that enable you to craft these things, make them, get ultra rare things, and then sell them. And it's an actual non fungible token on Ethereum you can port to whatever game you want. It's a, it's yeah, a digital like asset. Helmets. What's up, Chella? We had that idea so with Stockpile. We just didn't yeah. flesh it out. No. We fleshed we it rich. out, and then we sent it to somebody for feedback, and they destroyed it. And then we were like, that's too much work. We were like, ooh, it's a lot harder than we thought it was going to be. I'm just going to craft these pinky rings in Final Fantasy XIV. <laughs> 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 I haven't played Final Fantasy XIV in years, and I still pay for it. Um, so... Oh, I have to. I got to tell the people. Um, 
uh, were media sponsors of a conference this week. The one with uh, Damon John from Shark Tank, uh, Frank Abagnale from Catch Me If You Can, and Crazy Ass McAfee. The uh, Blockchain National Conference uh, is organized by the Crypto World Journal. Uh, there's going to be 3,000 attendees, 75 speakers. Go to bcnation.com. We're sponsoring it, and but we're not going to be there. So I'm just telling you guys about it so you can see our logo and we get some exposure, but you ain't going to be there. It's transparent with how we are. Yeah, we're not going to be there. I've already been to Miami this year. I'm not trying to go again. Um. All right, let's wrap this shit up. So Corey just released a blog, and Corey, we were joking about the Choose Your Own Adventure, but you followed through, and yep, I loved it. I did it. And I loved that shit. So Corey writes blogs halfway and then gets distracted. We all do that. Yeah, um, so, I, so I said you should probably choose your own adventure. That'd be an easy yeah. way to wrap it up. Yep. Well, he literally said, this is like choose your own adventure. <laughs> so, and I ain't write shit unless I get feedback. So I loved it. I gave you some feedback. It was a great article, by the way. Um, I think you and I, you probably think I'm dumb. We're still a little, I guess we have disagreements about proof of work, proof of stake. Which is better? I don't know. Not a matter of better. It's a matter of the. It's a matter about the rules set around them and why you're using them and who's using them. It is a matter of better. That's why LeBron is one and Jordan is two. They're playing the same game. Oh, I see what you did there. Mind blown. All right, let's wrap it up. Um, Yeah, Corey's got blogs. I um, been posting things on our medium too. Hey, man, if you want to contribute, you can post on our meeting. Why not? we got a publication. Launching a publication is free now. I don't see how newspapers are staying in business. Um, yeah. They're not, yeah. All right, New York Times. Um, let's see, what else did we do? Uh, tons of shows. Buy or sell what the hell is very consistent now. Um, every week, twice a week, um, JJ's hopping on the horn with me and Alec, and we talk about market movements. We talk about the cyclical nature of the markets. We talk about, I mean, we're basically giving you guys golden nuggets every twice a week. Um, today or not yesterday, by the time you're yesterday, there was a live trading session open. Well, um, what else do we do? Guys, we do lots of things. Join the Slack. Join the Slack. We have a Slack channels, a lot of people in there talking. Um, Jesse, you got something? You want to say something? Yeah, Jesse, you got anything? Um, if you're looking to mentor somebody who's kind of newer to programming, um, hit me up. Um, I'm kind of working on some side projects as I learn to become more proficient in Python and JavaScript and also try and pick up Solidity along the way. Um, but yeah, if you have any interest in kind of spending a lot of time working on cool stuff, then yeah, hit me up. What I'll do you mean by a lot end. of time? You, you, you've approached me with this, and I told you that I would do stuff, but you didn't follow through. So I'm I'm working on stuff, but it's more of like a like a learning from a learning point of view. I I guess maybe small projects, mini projects to be assigned to me, and then I'll work on stuff and learn that way. Because like like every time you sent me those links, like I. I devoured that information and I, I put it to use. Like I got the dockers working. Everything was, was fine. Um, it's just more and more of that stuff, more guidance maybe. All right. 
We'll take this offline. Sure. So there you go. Jesse, are you you ready to tell everyone what you want to do in our Slack, or should we wait for that announcement? Yeah, so so my my uh, I talked to D, and um, one of the things I'd like to do is participate as community manager and kind of help with events as far as themes for um, Slack discussions um, during the week. We have like Moon, uh, Moon Monday, uh, Techie Tuesday, Whale Wednesday, um, TA Thursday, and FOMO Friday, where we talk about um, you know themes. Articles that pertain to those themes and, you know, any, any new information that might help. Just kind of get the people going, man. So our Slack has a lot of people in it and sometimes we get to talk and sometimes we don't, but this is just a way to kind of get you guys, I don't know, get to know each other a little more. There's like themes to the day. You can come and kick out. You can still talk about whatever you want, obviously, you know, but it'd be more of a community because I know there's, uh, value in having a community for all the networking that can take place and everybody seem everybody's working hard in there I know because I talk to you guys and everybody's a professional for the most part and then everybody hates Ballsack at the same time Ballsack was a guy Ballsack was a guy in our slack sorry audience um so <laughs> um I think I think we can wrap it out shout out to Zoe, Zoe Saldana of course Shout out to um, Carrie Hilson. Um, Chell, do you have any shout? You guys have any shout outs? Shout out to uh, Zoe Saldana because uh, the Avengers opens this week. Cool. Oh, shout out to God of War. That, that game's amazing. Shout out to God of War, the video game. All right. Play.